Today's episode is presented by Clark's. Clark's' story began almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. At the time, it was groundbreaking, a combination of invention and craftsmanship that's remained at the heart of what Clark's does. From the very beginning, Clark's has always thought differently. Brilliant ideas are what set Clark's apart. We are teaming up with Clark's and Podgo to bring you up to 30% off on select items, including on the iconic Clark's Desert Boot by going to podgo.co slash Clark's. That's podgo.co slash Clark's. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Four Quarters with Josh McKinney. As always, I am your host, Josh McKinney, the sports editor of the Hickory Daily Record in North Carolina. Another exciting show coming up for you today. First of all, Black History Month continues over the last two weeks. I've talked about Major League Baseball great Jackie Robinson and NBA legend Bill Russell. Today, we're moving to tennis. The Black History Month spotlight, which will start the show, is going to be about tennis great Arthur Ashe. After that, we've got Off the Wall as it returns. Haven't done one here in 2021. A crazy sports rule, I'll explain in that segment. And then, I'll be joined by Jason Fearman, friend of the podcast. He's a fellow podcaster who is involved with 3rd and 3 Podcast, 49ers Forecast, and some other great stuff. I had Jason on last year, just before the NFL season started, so I thought it was only appropriate I bring him back on today. We had a great conversation talking about the Super Bowl, and then he also gave me some thoughts on some other NFL notes, and we particularly talked about a lot of the quarterbacks that may be on the market or are definitely on the market in the NFL in that segment. And after that, we wrap the show up. My wife, Christine, is going to join me to close things out with a brand new segment. We'll have more on it later. It's another jam-packed edition of Four Chords with Josh McKinney for episode 37 Let's get to it with our Black History Month Spotlight. Alright folks, so for our next to last Black History Month Spotlight here in 2021, going to be talking about Arthur Ashe, a legendary African-American tennis player. If you watch the ESPYs each year like I do, Uh, The Arthur Ashe Courage Award is presented to someone and has been every year since 2008. It's a humanitarian award. It goes to people who have done phenomenal things, courageous things, as Arthur Ashe was known for. Arthur is actually the first black tennis player selected to the United States Davis Cup team and the only black man ever to capture singles championships at Wimbledon, U.S. Open, and the Australian Open, which is three of the Grand Slam tournaments. He's the only African-American man to win those three to this day. Arthur Ashe was born July 10, 1943, in Richmond, Virginia. He had some turbulence in his early life. His mother actually died when he was six years old. She was only 27 It was due to pregnancy complications. Uh, So Arthur was raised by his father, Arthur Ashe Sr., who raised Arthur and his younger brother, Johnny, as a single father. 
Arthur was encouraged to focus on his studies and play sports, but his father would not allow him to participate in the game of football uh, due to his son's thin frame. For that reason, Arthur ended up finding another sport that he loved, and that's tennis. He turned to tennis at age seven and was noticed by a local college player and part-time recreational tennis instructor named Ron Charity, who began to teach him the fundamentals of the sport. Arthur continued to play tennis at Richmond's Maggie L. Walker High School, and he was also introduced along the way to physician and coach Robert Walter Johnson, who actually founded the Junior Development Program of the American Tennis Association and served as a mentor to Ash for many years. He taught him sportsmanship and proper etiquette that would become trademarks of Arthur on the court throughout his career. Unfortunately, Arthur faced racial segregation and all the hardships that came with that and was actually unable to use Richmond's indoor courts due to them being closed to black players. Arthur ended up moving to St. Louis and enrolling at Sumner High School. He lived with a friend of Dr. Johnson named Richard Hudlin during his senior year of high school. Uh, and won the National Junior Indoor Tennis title, becoming the first African-American to do that as well. Ash received a scholarship to play tennis at UCLA in 1963, where he was also a member of the ROTC, which required him to serve in the military for a time after graduation. He was in the U.S. Army from 1966 through 69, but uh, during college in his tennis career, he was ranked number three in the country in 1965 and was both a singles and doubles national champion while also helping UCLA win an NCAA team title. Now, Ash actually went on to win the U.S. Open while he was still an amateur in 1968 before adding an Australian Open title in 1970 and then the granddaddy of them all, the biggest tennis tournament there is, Wimbledon, he won that in 1975, the same year that he actually became the first African-American man to be ranked number one in the world. In 1985, he became the first black man to be inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. But that's Ash's tennis career. Apart from his playing career, Ash was also a political activist who helped create inner-city tennis programs for kids and established the Association of Men's Tennis Professionals. He also spoke out against racial segregation in South Africa and wrote a three-volume book series that was published in 1988 called A Hard Road to Glory. This chronicled the history of African-American athletes. Now, sadly, Ash, after retiring from tennis in 1980, had a number of serious health issues throughout the remainder of his life. He actually passed away in 1993 from AIDS-related pneumonia. He actually contracted the disease from a transfusion of blood that he was given during his second quadruple bypass surgery a decade earlier. But he did some great things in the medical community while dealing with all the things he was going through health-wise. He became the national campaign chairman for the American Heart Association and the only non-medical member of the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Advisory Council after going through those two quadruple bypass surgeries and the many other health issues that Arthur had late in his life. Now, one of Ash's most notable quotes goes like this. He said, True heroism is remarkably sober, very undramatic, 
It is not the urge to surpass all others at whatever cost, but the urge to serve others at whatever cost. And that's really what life should be about, is serving others, helping others, and looking out for others above self. Uh, So often today, we want to look out for me, look out for number one, when really we should be helping each other, and that's something that Arthur Ashe really believes strongly in. As you can see throughout his life, the things that he did, not only on the court, those are inspirational enough, but to help others off the court the way he did is just phenomenal. The things he was able to accomplish in his near 50 years on this earth are to be talked about forever and should be shared. And so that's a little bit about Arthur Ashe. Like I said, our next to last Black History Month segment for this year. I've really enjoyed doing these. One more coming next week, but that's Arthur Ashe. Now, let's get in to a segment we call Off the Wall. What's that? All right, so for today's Off the Wall segment, and I'm going to make this pretty quick, not too much to say, but I just want to talk about an obscure Major League Baseball rule. Now, crazy MLB rules are some of my favorites to read about. I haven't done an off-the-wall segment in a while, and I came across a rule the other day while I was looking for something to talk about. And if you're a baseball fan, you've likely seen in a game by watching MLB on TV where a batter hits the ball up the line, either the first baseline or the third baseline, and the ball hits the base and then ricochets out into foul territory. Now, if you're a baseball fan, you're familiar with the fact that that would be a fair ball because it struck the base and then went out and ricocheted into foul territory. A fielder will have to go out and get that ball. Unless it goes over the wall and into the stands in foul territory or whatever, and then that's a ground rule double, so the runner would have to stop at second. Otherwise, they could just keep running forever. But there's also an MLB rule that I was not aware of. I've never seen this happen in all my years of watching Major League Baseball, and that's like two-plus decades, where apparently if the ball goes up the middle of the field and hits the pitching rubber and then ricochets out into foul territory and is not touched at any point by a fielder on the defense, that is a foul ball. Kind of weird, right? Because you call it a fair ball if it hits a base and goes over, but if it hits the pitcher's rubber and goes over, And I mean, you've hit the ball right up the middle at the pitcher, and it goes out into foul territory after that, and no one touches it. It's a foul ball. Did not know that. Just learned that the other day. Crazy, right? I've seen the ball hit the pitcher's rubber, but never seen a fielder not touch it before it would go out into foul territory. At least I cannot recall an instance of that happening while I've been watching a game. Just thought that was a wild rule, and like I said, baseball is one of my favorite sports to read crazy rules about. Enjoy doing this segment. That's off the wall for today. Just a short little Major League Baseball rule where, yeah, if you ever see it, that's the rule. It's in the rule book for MLB that if it hits the pitcher's rubber, ricochets out of bounds, it's a foul ball, unless a fielder touches it, which I've never not seen like a pitcher or another fielder touch it beforehand. And and it's got to take a weird bounce to go into foul territory anyway. So not something you're likely to see, but if you do, that's the rule right there. Okay, now let's get into our next segment. It's Call to the Bullpen. 
I'm bringing on third and three podcast co-host and also host of the 49ers forecast. And he's involved in some other great content as well. Uh, we'll talk about that later. We talk about the Super Bowl, and I get Jason Fearman's thoughts on that. I've had Jason on before, as I said earlier. Now we talked last Thursday. Can't wait for you to hear it. In addition to the Super Bowl, we also talk about the NFL's quarterback carousel, if you will. Uh, we talk about a number of different quarterbacks who appear to be on the move or could very well be on the move. Coming up, I previewed the NFL season with Jason Fearman. I'm very excited for you to hear the conversation we had, like I said, last Thursday. He's got some great insight on the Super Bowl and all these quarterbacks and more coming up in Call to the Bullpen. Well, first of all, uh, Jason, uh, really excited to have you back on Four Quarters with Josh McKinney today. Uh, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great, man, and I'm really excited to be on with you. You know, football is, you know, slowly going away, but, you know, we can keep it alive over here on the show, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, of course, uh, for listeners of the show, I had you on back when we were previewing the season just before it started. Uh, so, like you said, uh, just wrapped up with the Super Bowl. What were your thoughts on uh, that 31-9 Tampa Bay win over Kansas City? Wow, man. I mean, you know, lots of thoughts. So I'm sure we'll go back and forth a little bit. But, um, you know, I did not expect – look, I picked Tampa Bay to win. I expected them to win. I had it 33-28 because I did – you know, even with Eric Fisher out, who is obviously a very good left tackle, you know, and, you know, covering uh, Mahomes' blind side, still, I didn't see that. I didn't see Kansas City not even scoring a touchdown in the game. So the blowout, I'm super surprised with. I'm not surprised at all that – that Bucks won. Um, they took what they knew from week 12 in, in that big loss and saw that Tyree Kill destroyed him. They took that away. They played perfect defense. Going into the game, I said that Todd Bowles, you know, the defensive coordinator for Tampa, was the single most important person in that game. He didn't play the game, but he had his guys in the right position everywhere, every time. Devin White was making plays left and right. So, they really did control the game. You know, Casey gave you a little bit of hope, but um, really in the end, it was just pure execution and them totally being prepared and took advantage of a situation where the game is won. And Josh, I tell you, I tell everybody all the time who knows anything about football, the game is won and lost at the line of scrimmage. And that's not more evident than what happened in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm with you. I also picked Tampa Bay, but uh, not in the fashion that it ended up. Uh, like you, I thought it'd be a more high-scoring game and, and kind of back and forth. Yeah, like you said, they just uh, really ran their game plan to perfection. Uh, they uh, The defense was able to get a ton of pressure on Mahomes all throughout the game. That crazy stat where he ran nearly 500 yards just trying to get away from tackles and sacks is just crazy. Really, it seemed like the way the defense played, they really kind of made it easy on Tom Brady because he was protected very well, and I know their offensive line was much healthier than Kansas City's, uh, but Tom Brady really, you know, he's a five-time Super Bowl MVP now, seven-time champion. Uh, your thoughts on how he played? Look, yeah, he played, uh, you know, close to, a, you know, a perfect game. He played a great game. I think he was 21-29. He didn't throw for a whole bunch of yards, but three touchdowns, obviously hooking up a Gronk and he played the game he was supposed to, worked off play action pass. Brian Leftwich had a great game plan. So did he deserve MVP? Yes, absolutely. 
Otherwise, you can give it to the entire defensive unit because there's not really just one guy that stands out. Yeah, you can say Devin White, Devin White, maybe Levante David, Shaq Barrett, JPP, but you can't give it to all of them. So, yep, Brady, fifth MVP. And look, I've always been saying that stats, stats, championships, that, you know, I go by the eye test more than anything. And I watched John Elway play, and he was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Then, you know, came along Aaron Rodgers and guys like Peyton Manning and then Patrick Mahomes, of course. But I have to finally bow down and say that Tom Brady is the ultimate. He's the best quarterback that ever lived, no matter how you put it, because what he makes up for, what he, excuse me, what he lacks for in athletic ability, he makes up for with exceptional intelligence, knowing where his players are going to be, subtle movements in the pocket in order to escape. So for a football player, it's just unheard of to get to 10 championships and win seven of them. It's out of control. So I cannot any longer argue for the fact that Brady is the best of all time at his position. There's just really no more argument as far as I'm concerned, Josh. Yeah. Do you feel like this, uh, like you, changes a lot of people's perception where he you know, was in New England for so many years, won six titles, uh, we wondered how he would do without Belichick. There was the question of, was it Brady? Was it Belichick? He goes to Tampa Bay, first year, wins the Super Bowl. Do you think that's going to change a lot of other people's perceptions as well? I think it's going to change their perceptions of Tom Brady needing Bill Belichick. I don't think it should take away anything from Belichick. He got screwed from the beginning of the year with players dropping out with COVID and everything, lost the greatest quarterback of all time. So I'm not going to take anything away from him, but – it goes to show you the greatness of Brady to be able to go to a completely different conference, brand new team, hasn't been to the playoffs in 13 years or whatever it was, and just really jump in right away and be that guy without having an offseason, no preseason, no nothing. And they worked their way up during the season. It wasn't all perfect in the middle of the year. We know that. But they caught fire and they all learned this is the best way to play. It's not, you know, risk it you know, no biscuit, no risk it, and all that stuff that Brazarians like to do. It was, what's the best way to win? Because ultimately, we brought this guy over here to win a championship. So it shows that Tom Brady can get guys to rally behind him, and people who respect him, who are playing now, who even watched him as a kid, who wanted to play with that guy, like, say, I want to play with Tom Brady. And look who he brought over. He got Leonard Fournette to come over, played a big part. Rob Gronkowski, two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Antonio Brown caught another one. So the fact that he was even able to bring and lure people over to Tampa Bay says another thing about him even being a GM. So the, the greatness of Tom Brady is just undeniable. And again, it is definitely more to his legacy, the fact that he did it with a completely different team in his first year, in a year where he never played with any of these guys until he started you know, bringing along you know, a couple of fellas that I mentioned. Yeah, and uh, there was all this talk of all the weapons Tampa Bay has, the, the incredible receivers and everything, and it's it was old reliable uh, Ron Gronkowski coming through, like you said, six catches for 67 yards, two TDs uh, from Tom Brady. Uh, where do you think that duo ranks kind of all-time uh, among you know quarterback and uh, pass-catching duo? Yeah, you can even say just pass catching, dude. We don't even have to put it into tight end. Look, they already broke, uh, you know, Rice and Montana's record, which is something to behold, of course, with their four straight Super Bowls, even though Rice was uh, not part of the 81 and 84, but still all those playoff appearances. I, I mean, look, they just have a chemistry that 
not many players have. You see it maybe with Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Maybe you saw it with Drew Brees and Mike Thomas last year. But these are the kind of mental relationships that players have on the field where you know what they're going to do. That duo is as impressive as any duo, especially for the fact that they have all these rings to show for it. Yeah. And I know you mentioned the name of Leonard Fournette. He had a big Super Bowl. Uh, he and Ronald Jones the second actually combined for 150 rushing yards, uh, both averaged over five yards of carry. Uh, Fournette had a touchdown and then four catches as well for 46 yards. It just seemed like Kansas City really had no answer for their running game. Uh, they were able to break a lot of tackles. And talk about Tampa's running game. Yeah, that was the thing. And uh, going into the game, as far as I'm concerned, as, as long as they even tried to run, they were going to have success. And they had success running the ball, which made – everything that much easier, including obviously the play action passing, which was tremendous in that game as it has been for them all year. So the fact that they did get Ronald Jones back with a healthy pair of legs where, you know, again, he wasn't involved as much as Fournette, obviously, but they say playoff Lenny came out and he did what he did. And yeah, he was moving the ball five yards at a clip, like you said, and that's exactly what you need your running back to do. Second and five is a hell of a lot better than second and 10 when you're trying to throw a long ball on first down and it doesn't work out. So it opens up your entire playbook when your running back is running well. And Leonard Fournette, let's not forget, he was the fourth pick coming out of the draft, what, four or five years ago, whatever it was. And when you're in Jacksonville, it's very hard to shine. But when you go to a team that's got other players that, you know, you don't have to be the only reliable guy, you saw what he was able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like we mentioned earlier, the defense made it a whole lot easier on the offense, uh, putting the pressure on Mahomes. But I tell you, the, the effort of Patrick Mahomes in this game was incredible. Uh, some of the craziest uh, near completions I've ever seen uh, that, you know, some where he hit his receivers in the helmet and uh, just the way he was throwing the ball with those crazy arm angles, which I think his baseball background kind of helps with that a lot. But talk about Patrick Mahomes and his effort. Yeah, I'm not – Patrick Mahomes' effort was unbelievable. You mentioned, you know, scrambling 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage. He was doing everything he could on a bed, toe, foot, whatever you want to call it. He already had surgery on it, so we know it was bothering him. You know, we knew that he was going to have trouble with the line of scrimmage and having the protection. What he did – is incredible and it takes nothing away from from Mahomes' legacy or whatever you want to call it like you mentioned he's hitting people in the face mask because they're even shocked travis kelsey pringle they're shocked that he even got the ball over there they're like what the hell is happening this thing is flying in my face and it's because mahomes really can do everything that horizontal pass was just out of control but incredible and then the one to travis kelsey dropping on third and 11 i think it was it was horrible. So he got no help from anybody. And again, Tampa did have the perfect game plan, but I know Travis Kelsey had 11 catches for 133 yards, but those are all yards that they were going to allow them to have. They had no problem with it because Levante, David and others, there was no yard after catch. So they just stopped him right where they were. But Patrick Mahomes, again, the ability, the effort, the everything that he gave in this game and the fact that he didn't get help and he didn't get help from Andy Reid, especially where we know his head could have been in other places. And that's as unfortunate as you can get uh, with the situation with his son hitting somebody, five-year-old child and being in the hospital is a horrible thing. But the fact that they didn't run the ball to try to at least get 
Tampa Bay's defensive line to respect the run and the linebackers to respect the run, knowing that, yeah, this could happen. They may have got a lot of yards out of it, but it would at least help Mahomes in the passing game where these guys can't just pin their ears back and go after him. So he got failed by his coaching staff, whether it's Reed or Eric Bieniemy. They needed to try to run the ball in the first quarter, in the second quarter, all throughout the game, just like Tampa Bay did. So Mahomes played as great as you can possibly play, given the situation around him. Yeah, you mentioned the name of Andy Reid, who obviously got his uh, Super Bowl championship last year. This year, we saw the other head coach, Bruce Arians, uh, become the oldest head coach to win a Super Bowl, 68 years old. Uh, Talk about what Bruce Arians was able to do with this team. Yeah, he's a guy who's been around for a long time, you know, obviously offensive minded. You know, he's been in, you know, places like Pittsburgh, Arizona, whatever it's been. You know, the guy's been around for a long time, so he knows what he's doing. But he's always been it's my way or the highway. And that's why maybe things hadn't worked out, hadn't won a playoff game before this year. So he met somewhere finally with Tom Brady in the middle. And that's what you have to do with your quarterback, especially one who's got before that time, six rings on his finger. You have to converse and you have to understand, look, if we want to win, we got to meet in the middle and figure this out. So Bruce Arians, I'll give him credit for one, doing that finally and letting his ego go. It probably happened after that week 12 game where Tampa Bay did learn a lot from Kansas City, but also leaning back and letting Todd Bowles take care of the defense and letting Byron Leftwich take care of the offensive calling for the most part. Bruce Arians obviously had the ultimate say, but you know what? He's a guy that players usually love to play for, and he got his, and you have to be happy for a guy like that. Like you said, oldest coach, 68 plus years old and everything like that. So yeah, if you're a football guy and you've been around a while, you're usually a fan of Bruce Arians. So I'm glad DA got his. Yeah, me too. Happy for him. Also happy for a local connection. Uh, the kicker, Ryan Suckup, is from uh, Hickory, North Carolina, which is where I write for the newspaper there. So I got to do a preview uh, of that. I, I took part in a virtual media session uh, last week and asked him a question or two during oh, that. Great. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, wrote a story. He's actually a, a Mr. Irrelevant. Was drafted as the final draft pick years ago, I think 2009 wow. draft. Uh, by, by actually Kansas City, was there for a while, then with the Titans, and now his first year with the Bucks. Uh, but a local guy, and uh, many call him the greatest Mr. Irrelevant of all time <laughs> now. Uh, he, he was actually the first one, uh, the first final draft pick to ever score in a Super Bowl. So four for four on extra points and made a 52-yard field goal as well. So another guy I'm happy with, just wanted to throw in that local connection there. Yeah, I like that. Good stat, and, and that's awesome that you got to be in on that. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this Tampa Bay team, uh, they had lost three in a row in the middle of the year. They were 7-5. and five. Uh, They reeled off eight straight wins, uh, including the Super Bowl championship, won three straight on the road in the playoffs against Washington, New Orleans, and Green Bay, uh, and then got to host the Super Bowl there at Raymond James, first team ever to do that. Uh, talk about how impressive it is, this run that they went on, and especially winning three road games in a row. It is extremely impressive, and it very rarely happens. I think maybe the last team that did that was uh, the Packers in 2010. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but yeah, this is something that does not happen. You got to go on the road, three straight games, and now you're playing the best of the best. Washington, okay, we knew that they weren't going to score a lot, but it was a game because of that defense. And when you have a defensive line like that, we know what can happen. So 
you know, that, that could have been a toss-up. They're on the road in Washington. Okay, they beat them. Now you got to go to Drew Brees' home in the Dome, you know, with all these players, Kamara, everything, excellent defense, so on and so forth. They handled them. They got beat twice in the regular season. They're like, we're not letting this team beat us three times. So they go ahead and they beat one of the most complete teams in the NFL in New Orleans. Now you go to Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers never had home field advantage in the playoffs. He finally gets it one game away from going back to the Super Bowl. The guy who thought that he'd probably be there five or six times already. And you know what happened? He got, even though he played a good game, I got no problem with him other than the fact that he should have ran the ball in the end zone. But Tom Brady was on point. That play right before halftime, that touchdown to Scotty Miller was a great call, beautifully executed. And that's what actually probably won them the game because that took away Green Bay's running. The fact that Aaron Jones, you know, fumbled the ball twice, he wasn't hurt. He was benched. That was it for them. And Tampa just took all that momentum and it looked like it was their stadium. It looked like they owned the place. So they were really never at risk. They were really always on top for the most part in these playoffs going ahead. And that's what gave people a lot more confidence to bet against Patrick Mahomes and saying, wow, look what Brady's doing. Look what this defense is doing. Look what the coaching staff is doing. They got all these weapons on offense and it made it that much more believable. So I am not shocked at all because I know that going into the playoffs when I was talking with a couple of buddies and even on the show, we said that if any team is going to beat Green Bay and Lambeau, it's going to be Tampa, not just because they beat them earlier in the season, well, demolished them earlier in the season, but they have the weapons to match up. And that's exactly what happened. So Brady faced the best of the best. The Bucks faced the best of the best, including Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. What more do you want? These guys are champions. And Tom Brady, obviously, again, is a football deity. There's nothing left to say. I am completely befuddled in my lifetime in any lifetime this does not happen it just doesn't happen and again like you mentioned earlier you know with bill belichick and everything and he gets as much credit to me as brady does during their run for the most part but now that brady just jumps over to another team and goes right to the super bowl like it's no big deal i i i'm blown away i'm blown away josh you and me both uh it's it's just insane at this point uh the things this man continues to accomplish in his career and, and we'll see how much longer he wants to keep doing it i guess he'll just keep adding rings to his fingers <laughs> yeah i could we should all be i don't know how much more perfect your life gets you know being married to a supermodel winning every super bowl there is beautiful family kids you can all the money in the world yeah i guess we should all adapt to the tb12 diet <laughs> Maybe so. Now, uh, another 40-plus-year-old quarterback that you mentioned is Drew Brees. Uh, do you think this is it for him? I do. I thought it was a done deal, like, even before the game. You know, obviously, we heard the rumors and everything. But, look, he is such a competitor. I know he wants to come back and play. But I think that he also knows that his family does not want him to come back and play, most likely, because – yeah, he is 41 years old, and yeah, he's 42 by the time the season's going next year. And his body's just not into it anymore. We've seen it when you talk about the decline of certain players. We thought we saw Brady falling off a cliff. You know, I don't want to say that Breeze has fallen off a cliff, but I don't even know how much more this guy can take going to the playoffs every year and losing in such fashion at home usually. It's too much. And uh, look, his legacy is supplanted. He's got his Super Bowl Again, I know he's a tremendous competitor, 
but I don't think his body can handle it. I don't know as well as him, but I think that's what's on his mind right now. And the fact that all this talk about him working for, I think it was CBS or whatever, I think that's what we're looking to. I, I do not think that he's going to be the quarterback for any team less, uh, next year, let alone uh, New Orleans. Do you think differently? No, I think he's done as well. I do. And uh, I know, like you said, he's a great competitor, and it's been some tough ends to these seasons for him. But I do think he's done because at some point, I guess uh, you just got to father time wins out uh, unless you're Tom Brady. <laughs> but, exactly. but, yeah. So where do you think the Saints go at quarterback if this is it? Yeah, and that's a great question. You know, unfortunately for them, financially, they're not in a good salary cap position. Otherwise, I would say do everything you can to go get Deshaun Watson and, you know, call it a day and go win yourself some more Super Bowls. I hope it's not Jameis Winston because I don't think that things are going to work out and that team could take a dip and guys may want to go elsewhere. It's not Taysom Hill. So who is it? They're not going to bring back Teddy Bridgewater because I don't think that he's going to be with the Panthers. Who are they going to find? There are names out there. Do they want to go the Carson Wentz route because they do have a good offensive line? I wouldn't be shocked if they went with Wentz. But another thing that wouldn't completely shock me, Wilson, maybe they want Fields. Maybe, you know, they're not going to get Lawrence, obviously. But maybe they get that kind of guy and let Winston and Hill maybe do it for a year and then groom whoever it's going to be to come up if they can't get one of these you know, high-priced, really good quarterbacks. I don't know if they want Sam Darnold there. You know, again, Sean Payton is a mastermind in himself, so he can do a lot with less. There's no doubt about it. But I definitely don't think that Jameis Winston is that guy. And I think that the writing was on the wall when Drew Brees went down and Taysom Hill was the guy who went in. So given all those factors, if they can't find a real stud at quarterback to come in, then they're going to probably have to find somebody in the draft and move up. Yeah, and you mentioned the name of uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, with my Carolina Panthers. I also don't think he'll be the starter there next year. Who do you think will be the starter there in Carolina? That's that's another really great question. I think they're another team who obviously, no offense, they're nowhere near a championship. They're another team who's got obviously a brand-new head coach who they paid a lot of money to to rebuild because he is a college guy, so he should know how to do that and has shown success with that. So maybe they're also a team where they move to number three and get a Justin Fields or something like that. So I would say that they probably do draft a quarterback, but as far as who be their starter next year, tough question off the top of my head. Nobody big time, I think, is going to be going over there. If the Jets can somehow pull off a trade where they're going to get the quarterback they want, maybe Carolina takes a shot on him. But other than that, I think their guy is coming up in this draft. Yeah, you could very well be right. Obviously, uh, I really love to see a guy like Deshaun Watson there. Oh, of course. His Clemson connection. Uh, we've seen what an athletic quarterback can do as a quarterback with the Panthers, and uh, they've got some great weapons there for him. So if that, <laughs> you know, that's my dream scenario, but uh, I do think you're probably right. Uh, I wouldn't mind having a uh, Justin Fields out of Ohio State, for instance. Yeah, but you know what, with Deshaun Watson, could you imagine him and McCaffrey doing the RPOs? You're <laughs> right, the RPOs would be a nightmare, a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
I want to talk about your team now. We talked about mine a little bit. Let's talk about the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I know a lot of injuries this season that really uh, cost them some games. Uh, playing in that difficult NFC West, of course, with Seattle and, and the LA Rams both making the playoffs. Uh, the Cardinals were at 500, but started off really hot. Talk about your 49ers season and, and what holes you think maybe they need to fill. We don't have a lot to fill. Um, we will have to try to do some work in the secondary. There's no doubt about that because a couple of guys are going to be out of here. But we're very, very much solidified um, with our front seven. So I worry nothing about that. Fred Water, Fred Warner, excuse me, a pro bowler this year. We all know about Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. So defensively, we're pretty much intact. Just need a little bit of help in the secondary. Offensively, I love what we have. I would love to have a down-the-field threat. I think they'll pick up one of those guys just so they have that option over there, even though they're mainly a running team and a short passing team. But that was in large part not just built around Kyle Shanahan's offense, but Jimmy Garoppolo's limits. Now, he did very much to me like Jared Goff help bring an amazing team along to the Super Bowl, and they both had lost, and now we see Goff is in Detroit. Jimmy Garoppolo should not, and I hope not, uh, be the quarterback of the 49ers next year. I actually thought sometime earlier this year, and I still do, I think Sam Donald has a lot of talent. Do I want to go with him full-time? I'm not necessarily sure, but I think given the weapons that San Francisco has, that he can thrive there. Would I want Deshaun Watson? You bet your ass I would. I would love to have Deshaun Watson if we can somehow <laughs> pull that off. Now, before the year started, I thought there was going to be a lot of friction with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. They end up making the NFC Championship again. But now we're hearing these little rumors here and there. I wonder, and I know that he would love to go back home sometime. If something goes awry, they got Jared, uh, Jordan Love back there, excuse me. Maybe they just make a deal with the 49ers and Aaron Rodgers becomes the 49ers next quarterback for the next three, maybe four years and get at least a championship, maybe two out of it. So that's where my mind has been going lately because I don't see them drafting a guy. They're a ready-made team. They want to win now. So they got to get somebody back there who knows what they're doing. And people have brought up Matt Ryan time after time after time. Look, it would be an upgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo. So the possibility of getting back to the Super Bowl is definitely there. And he can definitely throw the ball. And he's been with Kyle Shanahan, as we know. So I don't necessarily want him. But if we got him and it wasn't Jimmy G, I would be happy because I know that we got a better quarterback. But the other guys I mentioned, wow, man. Uh, that, yeah, that would be something else. And another thing, I, there was a little rumor about Kirk Cousins. I definitely don't want Kirk Cousins. Definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like we're kind of putting out in the universe that we want uh, Deshaun Watson and yeah. Aaron Rodgers on our respective right? team. I mean, look at the numbers. <laughs> Unbelievable. For sure. Another young quarterback who was in the MVP conversation this year is out there in Buffalo, Josh Allen. Talk about the play of that team this year and his play specifically. Well, I will give my partner, uh, Damian Adams, a shout out because he predicted before the year that Josh Allen would take a quantum leap in his stats, and he obviously did. Uh, his stats were off the charts, but just, again, watching him because I'm more of an eye test guy, he became one of my top three favorite players this year. Now, coming out of Wyoming, when I saw him first play with the Bills, honestly, I said, this guy's got unbelievable potential if he just learns how to throw the ball, you know, more accurately. And that's not an easy thing to do. He learned under Brian Dayball and other, you know, various coaches 
how to throw the ball more accurate. And when you got Stefan Diggs over there, it does make things easy. The thing that's amazing is that they had no running game at all. I mean, nothing between Singletary and Moss, absolutely nothing. So they did this passing all year long, and his interceptions were, what, 10? He had 10 picks the entire season or something like that. So Josh Allen, to me, is, again, knock on wood, a guy, if he stays healthy, he will be a top two, three quarterback in the NFL for the next 10 years. Easy. He's got all the tools. Eventually, no, he won't be able to be running guys over left and right the way that he does. But his arm strength is unbelievable. And now that his accuracy is there, he could just sit in the pocket, but he gives that extra added dimension that I could run this thing out and you may have to spy me and look what they did this year, not just winning the division for the first time since, you know, the pyramids were erected, but again, doing it in a fashion where it was just dominance. And they would have won 10 games in a row if it had not been for that Kyler Murray, Hale, you know, Hale Murray thing. So he was infectious throughout. The defense did not play as good as we thought, but Josh Allen kept him up every single game. He was incredible, and I'm so proud of him. Yeah, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for uh, former Panthers defensive coordinator Sean McDermott, the head coach there in Buffalo, and they've had a, a lot of former Panthers go out there, so happy for their success. Even though I was pulling for my guy Cam Newton in New England, which uh, we, we talked about them a little bit earlier and, and Brady leaving there, obviously. Lack of weapons. They just haven't done a good job of drafting wide receivers. What are your expectations next for Cam Newton? Well, Cam Newton, it's interesting. You know, you could bring up Washington right now. They don't have exactly a quarterback. They do have, you know, Taylor Heineke, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And, you know, we like what we saw out of him. So what's next for Cam Newton? They could bring him back, believe it or not, New England. A lot of people totally rule that out. But if you consider the fact how many people, again, dropped out due to COVID, how many stars on their team dropped out due to COVID, and now you'll have a full offseason to get things together and get an offense and gear that you like. And with Bill Belichick's mind, you never know what can happen because they actually look pretty decent early in the year. We're like, oh, wow, well, you know, Belichick may be the guy over Brady or whatever back and forth. So I think Cam either stays in New England or the only other team I see taking him as a starter would be Washington. Other than that, I don't think that there's a place for him in the NFL to start this year. And I definitely don't think it's New Orleans. If anybody is thinking that out there listening right now, I don't think that Sean Payton wants Cam Newton to be the starter of that team. Yeah, and I don't want to see Cam go to uh, one of the <laughs> biggest division rivals either. Yeah, right. True. <laughs> Good point. I could definitely see him staying in New England as well or going to Washington with the connection to Ron Rivera. Uh, I, I completely agree there. I think early in the season, he played well. Their whole team played well. Maybe some things just caught up to them. I know he he had COVID earlier in the season, and that kind of derailed him for a while as well, I right. think. But right. I do think he still has the talent to be a quarterback uh, in the NFL, either possibly there. I mean, Bill Belichick, a great mind, uh, obviously, and uh, the guys he's working with. So I do think there could be a future there as well, even though a lot of people have dismissed it. Let's talk about that Washington team, uh, specifically Alex Smith. Talk about the comeback he had, obviously, the well-deserved comeback player of the year. Well, I can make it a long story, but I'll make it a short story. As you know, I'm a 49er fan, so we drafted him number one in 2005, and I wanted Aaron Rodgers, but whatever. The story is a story. 
Alex Smith grew to become pretty much a great quarterback in the NFL, you know, where he was taking us to NFC championships and we were just getting close to getting there. And then Colin Kaepernick brings us to that next level. We go to the Super Bowl, we lose to Baltimore in 2013. But what we saw out of Alex Smith is that he kept getting better and better with age. And then he goes to Kansas City and now he's thriving over there, doing a great job. But who's sitting behind him? Somebody better, Patrick Mahomes. And that's not to take away from Alex Smith's ability, but... It just so happens that, you know, the guys waiting behind him were ready and were better. But again, to see him evolve as a player and then the crushing thing to happen to him in Washington, where the fact that he almost lost his leg, and I'm sure you've seen pictures, it's gruesome to look at how he even thought about coming back to football is beyond me. That'd be the last thing on my mind. I would just want to make sure I can keep my leg. But this guy not only did that, but he worked for almost two years to get himself back on the field just to play the game that he loves. He didn't even care about the money part of it. He didn't care about anything. He just wanted to play football again. The fact that he did that alone obviously earns him comeback player of the year because nobody comes back from an injury like that. It was horrible. And you know what? He was starting quarterback of the team that won the NFC East, even though we know the records over there, whatever. They were in the playoffs. And you know what? The year that he went out, they were five and three. They were in first place. So again, Alex Smith kept getting better on the field. And you know what? Off the field, what it did for him as a person and their family, I, I can't even imagine. So I do hope he retires now. He's proven everything in the world that you can. I think he's done. He should be done. And please go enjoy your life because you, my man, are the ultimate warrior. Yeah, certainly. Uh such an inspirational story of his comeback and uh, and I'm with you probably uh time to to step away and go enjoy your life you, you proved that you could come back and play in the NFL uh for sure let's go back to talking about uh Deshaun Watson uh who do you think ultimately will uh have him as their quarterback next year yeah that's a, that's the $64,000 question right who's going to ultimately have him well if you rule out you know the AFC South then there's no Indy, there's no Tennessee, even though he would fit in perfectly with either one of those teams. If you, Again, you imagine him and Derrick Henry, that would be ridiculous. You put him behind that offensive line in, in Indianapolis, that's unbelievable. So with that defense, that's probably not going to happen if they make that trade. Now, he has the no trade clause, so he has a say in where he goes. I'm hearing he wants to go to the Jets, so I would have him psychologically analyzed before I would make that trade. I don't know why he would want to do that. Where he ends up is a place where I would think that Houston would say, all right, you can't hurt us here, but we want to do right by you. So you don't send him to Philadelphia, obviously, knowing that Carson Wentz wants out because that's not a place you want to be right now. I wonder if anything could happen with the Dallas Cowboys. There's been a little bit talk of that. Dak and the contract, Deshaun Watson, not uh, not happy there. They're in the same state. Maybe you make a swap. He's not going to be in Houston. I'm praying he's going to be in San Fran. The most logical place to me is a team that nobody's talking about that would make perfect sense in order to take over the division. Now, I know that they have financial problems themselves, but what team basically doesn't for the most part? The Minnesota Vikings would be the best place for that guy, ultimately, for Houston and for himself to end up. He's got Dalvin Cook there. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, good offensive line, a defense that should be better. I'm not sure what happened to him this year, but with Aaron Rodgers kind of on his way out a little bit, 
And it's not like the Bears or the Lions are really a threat. I think that Deshaun Watson could just absolutely thrive in Minnesota. And that's where he can retire and retire a champion. Will it happen? I don't know. But I think that's the best place for him to go. Where he's going to end up, if I, if a, you know, God forbid, a gun was to my head, right now, I'd probably say the Jets because the writing is on the wall there. But the only other team, Josh, that does make sense when you talk about a trade would be Miami. Do they want to do that? Send Tua over to Miami with obviously a bunch, bunch of draft picks and bring John Watson in there to compete with the Bills and Josh Allen. So it comes down to Miami and the Jets for me. And I think Miami probably has more to offer and, again, are more ready to roll. So, again, I, I, I guess I would probably have to go with the Dolphins making that trade. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out that Dallas thing. That's possible. Yeah, some definitely some interesting scenarios there uh, for Deshaun. Whoever gets him is getting an incredible young quarterback uh, who continues to get better, and I've been watching him since his uh, Clemson days and been very impressed ever since. Um, speaking of Clemson, we got to talk about the guy who is very likely to be the number one pick to Jacksonville, and that's uh, Trevor Lawrence. But what do you see for him uh, as an NFL quarterback? If he's that guy that they say that's, you know, the Andrew Luck type or the John Elway type that they refer to, you know, those are guys who came into an organization. Now, the Colts did have a better team, but to more comparatively speaking to John Elway, when he went to Denver, again, he declined to go to the Colts, which is kind of ironic. Uh, they were the Baltimore Colts at that time. So when he went there, he made them an instant playoff team. They sucked. They had no running game, they had no defense, and they had decent wide receivers. Their best one was named Vincent Jackson or Vance, Vance Johnson, excuse me, Vance Johnson, Vincent Jackson is for the Chargers a little while ago. So, again, that's my point. Nobody even knows, not even me. I just proved it right there. So John Elway jumps in, makes them a Super Bowl team, takes them to three Super Bowls in the 80s to get their butt kicked in every single one of them. But the point is that's what he did. So juxtapose that to Trevor Lawrence. He could be that same exact thing. He's proven in college that he's, you know, the prodigal son or whatever you want to call him. Even though it's Jacksonville, and they're not the worst franchise in the world, but they're certainly not the best. He can make them better instantly just by his prowess being there. No, they. I'm not saying they'd go to the playoffs or the Super Bowl in the first year, but it would make other players want to go. They have room. They got James Robinson as a free agent last year who could have been in the running for – uh, rookie of the year this year. So you build on top, you get more pieces. And before you know it, in a couple of years, the Jaguars are 10 and six, maybe 11 and five. So I do believe that Trevor Lawrence is that guy that everybody's saying, again, they have way more experience than I do. I'm not a huge college guy, but Josh, if he's the guy that they're claiming he is, he will make an impact immediately, even in his first season, the way that Joe Burrow was doing with the Bengals. Yeah, uh, being a guy who's here in uh, ACC country, I've seen Trevor quite a bit and uh, been very impressed with him, both on and off the field. I think he definitely is that guy uh, from everything I've seen. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, one guy we saw as a rookie this year was the rookie of the year, Justin Herbert uh, with the Chargers. Your thoughts on his first year? Wow. 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 They found their guy and they didn't even have to trade to do nothing for it. They just sat back and they knew he was going to fall in their laps. Justin Herbert, 31 touchdowns, 10 picks. He had something like 4,400 yards passing the season. 
And he just got thrown into a ball game after they stabbed, you know, Tyrod Taylor in the chest too far with that, that injection right there. So it's like, all right, kid, go in. Uh, you're playing, you know, we didn't expect you to, but here you go. And he just ran off and he took off. Now, the fact that the Chargers had a bad season and didn't have a good record is certainly not all on Justin Herbert. Sure, he made a couple of rookie mistakes here and there, but the great way, way, way outweighed the bad. The throws that he made, the command that he has in the huddle, how big he is, how strong he is, the arm, everything. You know that this guy, already he's reminded me of Josh Allen, which is kind of sick. So you, you look at this kid, the Chargers, they got their quarterback. Now you got to find the rest of the pieces that are going to make you competitive with the Kansas City Chiefs. I love this kid. And, I, you know, I knew that he was going to be good, not this good, this fast. He's got the potential to be absolutely great. Yeah, I think the Josh Allen comparison is a good one. Uh, I saw him against the Panthers this year, uh, Justin Herbert, and was extremely impressed. I thought, you know, this team's going to be one to be reckoned with here in a couple years. I know you mentioned this trade earlier that sent Jared Goff to Detroit, Matthew Stafford to the L.A. Rams. Uh, what do you think that does for uh, those two teams? Well, I'll tell you, man. Listen, bottom line, as far as the Rams go, they went all out. Obviously, sending two first-round draft picks, a third this year, and their starting quarterback just to get Matt Stafford. So what you're doing is you're playing Texas Hold'em. You're going all in. Here's all my chips. We got two years to win a Super Bowl, not get to the NFC Championship, not make the playoffs, not make the city happy, you know, little things like this. No, they have to win a Super Bowl. Otherwise, this trade is a complete and total bust. They have to win, not just make it. That's the bottom line. That's why they got him. So if they don't win the Super Bowl in the next two years, or if they don't extend him to a third and win it then, then the Rams obviously lost this trade. If they win a Super Bowl, they won it, no doubt. Right now, the Lions, to me, totally won this trade. Getting three draft picks, two first-rounders. I'm not that high on Jared Goff at all. I wasn't when he got drafted number one. I'm like, I don't really see it. And then he had that great half a season. Then they end up going to the Super Bowl and putting up three points against the New England Patriots. So maybe I was right after all. I'm, I don't think Goff is great, but we'll get to see him. He's got Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones there, so... We'll get to see. And DeAndre Swift, I expect to have a good year. So we'll get to see. He may have a kind of a formula that he did a couple of years ago with the Rams. But the Lions, nobody expects a damn thing out of him. But now everybody expects the Rams to win every game and go to the Super Bowl. And like I said, Josh, I don't mean to be repetitive. If they don't win a Super Bowl, they lost this trade. And Sean McVay himself could be in trouble. Yeah, I think you're right. This quarterback carousel that we continue to talk about, we'll go to Oakland next. Do you think Derek Carr's there or elsewhere? Now that's an interesting one because when we were talking about Cam Newton before, the Raiders did pop in my mind thinking like, hmm, would John Gruden want to go with Cam Newton or something like that? I can see that happening. Now, I don't really know why they would want to get rid of Derek Carr. I mean, they really haven't put the best players around him. They finally got him a running back, but they really don't have any standout receivers except for their tight end, Darren Waller. I think they need to do it better. They protect him well. They got a good offensive line. They need to work on their D, but that's not his problem. I believe that Derek Carr is going to stay with the Raiders ultimately. I really do. I don't think that Marcus Mariota is the answer. Again, Cam Newton could be a possibility going there, but I think Derek Carr ultimately stays where he is because I think at this point, unless they can make a trade again for a Watson or, or whatever, that's the best option that they have. 
and he knows the offense. They got to put better players around him. They drafted Henry Ruggs with the 13th overall pick. I think he had 10 catches all year long. You can't do that. I mean, it's great to have that downfield threat, but if he ain't catching anything, then it ain't worth nothing. All right. So that's what they have to do. They need to help him out more. I don't think that car is necessarily the problem. I don't either. They definitely showed some flashes of being a really good team and uh, just need to take that next step. Your thoughts on, uh, I know you mentioned the Colts earlier. Uh, Phillip Rivers was their quarterback this past year. He has uh, retired now. Uh, your thoughts on his career in the NFL? I know a lack of uh, playoff success, but uh, your thoughts on him? Yeah, obviously that would be the big knock. You know, lack of playoff success, obviously no Super Bowl rings, but you know me, I say it for a third time, I go to the eye test and going back to that draft, you look at him, you look at Eli, you look at Ben, maybe I would put Ben number one, but I would definitely take Rivers over Eli Manning, despite Eli Manning's championships in New York were, I can't say they're flukes, but they were almost sporadic, like they never made the playoffs except for those couple of years, basically. Philip Rivers has one of the most underrated careers you can imagine. He's like fifth all time in passing or something like that. Fifth all time in touchdowns. He's got all these great records, but he never had a great defense to back him up. Yep. He had LaDainian Tomlinson for a while. And that's when they had their greatest success. They had a guy like Vincent Jackson. Ironically, I meant mixed him up with Vance Johnson earlier. Um, so they had players and he put up the numbers, but the defense ultimately has to stop players, and they weren't really able to do that. So that's why his career went the way that it did. And I think at the age of, what was he, 38 this year, going to the Colts and doing what he did, he had a very, very good season. So to me, you don't have to win a Super Bowl to be in the Hall of Fame. To me, this guy was one of the best quarterbacks in his time. Not the best, but one of the best. And his accolades merit him being in the Hall of Fame. So... I believe he should be. I don't like this whole first ballot, second ballot, third ballot thing. You're in the Hall of Fame. You're in the Hall of Fame. So I think that he played great enough because you've got to be great to be in the Hall of Fame. So who do you think replaces him at quarterback there in Indy? Who replaces Phillip Rivers in Indy? That one is a tough one. They're a team that's also ready to rock and roll right now. I don't know if it's Jacoby Brissett. This one's really tough. The one that makes the most sense by far to me is Carson Wentz. And I think that they may be able to pull off that trade because they're not going to have to give up necessarily as much as they think. Now, you go back to Philly. Frank Reich was there. They have the relationship. Carson Wentz needs to be protected. He needs out of Philly. We know that he's getting traded. It's just a matter of where. So he would definitely be my answer, having one of the best offensive lines, having the rapport of Frank Reich, having the running game, having a phenomenal defense. I think he would work out well there because to me, Josh, his problems really aren't physical. They're mental, 99% of it. And that's a whole nother conversation. You get him out of there, you put him in a new spot, let him take a deep breath. And I think that we would get to see the 2017 Carson Wentz if he went to Indy. And that's where ultimately I think up he ends up going. Yeah, I know I've seen a lot of uh, people saying uh, that, so uh, I could totally see him going to the Colts. You mentioned Phillip Rivers being an underrated quarterback throughout his career, having such great numbers. Another guy I want to move to a different position who I think has been underrated for a long time is uh, Frank Gore, uh, a former 49er and uh, now with the Jets. He's 37 right now, still going at it, kind of an ageless wonder. Uh, your thoughts on his career and kind of his ranking all time? 
Yeah, brother, you got you know got it to me twice, man. Coming out of Miami, and when the 49ers drafted him, I was very happy because my best friend is a Hurricanes fan. He's like, yo, you got a good one. Started watching, he was a great one. There's no doubt. He does not get credit for what he did because he was the his offense while Alex Smith was trying to get the, the water from behind his ears and figure out the stuff that was going on. So Frank Gore was a total machine. He was excellent. And then he moved away from the Niners. We know Indy, and then he made his way through the AFC East for the most part. He's another guy who just wanted to keep playing. But at his peak, one of the most underrated players that, that we've seen, that we talk about, but his numbers, again, way up there. He's a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he may be third or fourth on, like, the all-time rushing list somewhere at this point. So he's made his stamp, and he's done it quietly. He's done it as a professional. He never opened his mouth. He just went, and he played the game that he loved, and he did it to the best of his ability. We all know now and for the past two or three years – he hasn't been the Frank Gore that was so explosive in San Fran. But you go back and you look at that guy and you compare him to the other running backs playing in their prime in that day, and he's right up there with the best of them. Yeah, I just looked at the numbers. He's a third all-time, right at 16,000 rushing yards in his career, behind only Walter Payton and Emmett Smith, just ahead of Barry Sanders, and then Adrian Peterson's at fifth there. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a nice uh, list to be a part of for sure uh, for Frank. And you know what, Josh, real quick, if somebody wants to say, oh, well, you know, like Emmett Smith, same thing. You know, they had like all this longevity and you know, they played longer and this and that and had more carries. Well, you know what? Availability is the best ability. And they were there and they were able to be there for their team. So that's not something you should take away from. That's something that people should praise for the fact that they were still able to get on the field every day and contribute. Yeah, I agree. Playing a position like running back and being able to be out there each and every Sunday is uh, definitely not something to uh, look down upon. Now, you've talked about some potential Hall of Famers. We've got a great 2021 Pro Football Hall of Fame class that was recently announced. Peyton Manning at quarterback, uh, wide receivers Calvin Johnson and Drew Pearson, defensive backs Charles Woodson and John Lynch, uh, guard Alan Fanica, coach Tom Flores, and then a contributor was Bill Nunn. But, uh, man, what a great list of Hall of Famers. Your thoughts on this uh, class? Oh, it's a fantastic yeah. class. I mean, we're talking you know, Heisman winners, obviously Super Bowl winners, MVPs all over the place, coaching champions. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like you said, it's, it is one of the better classes that has come out in a really long time. I mean, and you also got to love the Alan Fanica, a guy – I'm glad that they recognized who was a staple over there in Pittsburgh for a long time, moved around a little bit toward the end of his career. But I, I do love when they honor the offensive and defensive linemen, especially because those are the guys that don't get mentioned as much, especially on the offensive line. But yeah, man, what a great class. Excellent. It's too bad they couldn't have, you know, the celebration and the honor that, you know, like they usually do and everything like that. But Still, uh, just absolutely great. And yeah, Peyton Manning being the head of that class over there, just again, what an awesome guy. What an awesome career. He made a lot of people really fall in love with football. For sure. And uh, another guy who stands out is obviously Calvin Johnson, who retired very young, was with Detroit his whole career. Only 35 years old, uh, but uh, watching his career, uh, even going back to Georgia Tech, I was always just super impressed with him. He's probably one of my favorite players ever not to play for the Panthers. <laughs> I like that. 
I like that. Yeah, when you listen to other players talk about him, you know, we mentioned all the best wide receivers in the world with the Rices and the Owens and Moss. They said that Calvin Johnson was just as scary, if not scarier than those guys. That You know, you don't get the name Megatron for nothing. I mean, that's really something else. Yeah, the guy could jump. He can run routes. He was fast. He was strong. Everything. Calvin Johnson was once those guys who come along like really like once in a lifetime type of athletes. And him and Stafford had an unbelievable connection. But again, they couldn't help him out defensively. Otherwise, that would have been a playoff team year in and year out. Yeah. So one last note on the NFL this year. I know we added a wild card team in each conference. So there were seven teams from each instead of six. And already the NFL has a lower percentage of its teams that go to the playoffs and some other sports. Uh, did you like the extra wild card this year? Actually, I loved it because I'm the one who came up with the idea, Josh. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> About three years ago, I wrote an article saying, uh, maybe not three, maybe a little bit less than that. I want to try to be as accurate as I can. I did write an article saying there should be one team who gets to buy and add an extra team. This way we get one extra round you know, of the playoffs and we see what we see this year, which was Probably the best playoffs that we've seen in a year that is unexpected to have because we got an extra game on that weekend. And to me, it was awesome. So I like the idea because, yes, you're right. And I love that, you know, like baseball, you know, they have, you know, low percentage of teams. You know, I feel like the NBA puts everybody in. But I think that the NFL deserved to have one more spot. And the records proved it for the most part, except for. And this one, you couldn't have done anything about it. It was division winner in, in Washington. But everybody else, 11 and 5, 10 and 6. So these are all playoff teams, like kind of how you can argue with in college. Be like, oh, why is this team ranked 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th? They're not going to make the playoffs now. For what reason? How do you weigh it back and forth? For me, this was a good way for the NFL to get another team in, obviously, to make more money. That was their ultimate goal. So we know that they accomplished that. But I, I really like it. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all about it. I want it to stay. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the NBA. They put 16 out of 30 teams in the playoffs, which is over half. And then the NFL is still at uh, 14 out of 32, so still below half the teams. I think it's a great number and uh, kind of the perfect storm there. Before I let you go, I want to talk about the Third and Three podcast and the 49ers forecast, your podcast. I know the Third and Three, I've had uh, both of your co-hosts, Nikki and Damien, on the show before as well. Enjoyed talking with them. Uh, just give people an idea of those two podcasts, what you do, where they can find them. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we had the show last night and uh, gave you a big shout out. I was really looking forward to coming on the show with you, as a matter of fact. So, um, yeah, every Wednesday night, um, uh, we hit it up at about nine o'clock Eastern time and the show is out. You can listen to it on really any of the stations, uh, yeah, whatever, Apple, Spotify, you know, all those things, Spreaker and whatnot. But we mostly 95 percent concentrate on football. But Nikki likes to do her trivia and she'll bring in all sorts of things like we did Valentine's Day trivia last night. We'll do like our Mount Rushmore. We don't do Mount Rushmore. We call it Mount Player Player. We'll have like a different topic and we'll do our top four. Yesterday it was top four playoff moments. So we get into a whole bunch of different things, unpopular opinions, um, different lists and things like that. We do love our sports trivia on there. We give round of applause and we throw tomatoes at certain players or teams every week. So we really look, we have a blast. Again, it's really basically all about sports, mostly football, the NFL. Now it's going away. Probably concentrate on basketball a little bit in the next month or so. But yeah, that's every Wednesday night. And then, of course, it's recorded. 
You can listen to it on all stations. And as far as the 49ers uh, podcast, along with the Power 32 podcast, that's my solo show. Um, that's where, you know, I try to get the bigger athletes when I can. I had George Teague on, uh, Richmond Webb, a couple of other players, Mario Manningham, um, talking about that catch that he made in the Super Bowl. And I'm hoping to get one other guy. I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not even going to say his name, but he's a big player for a team that I love. So that's just one hint over there. So that's what that show is also about and having people like you come on and bringing in that extra insight. So I love my NFL. I wish it never ended. My two-month depression begins right now, so it's going to be tough for me to be on talk shows for a while, but I'll give it my best because I already miss football, man. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, just waiting on that draft now for sure. And I know you mentioned Valentine's Day. It seems like everybody's doing some Valentine's Day stuff. Uh, my wife and I on our most recent show drafted uh, the top couples from TV and movies. Oh, uh, that's cool. And, I like uh, that. And I finally won another draft, apparently, according to the uh, the people on social media who responded. So <laughs> that was good. Um, I definitely appreciate the shout out. I know I've given you guys a few shout outs on my show as well, because I, I really enjoy what you all do. Haven't had a chance to listen to the most recent episode, but will so I can hear my name. <laughs> and also and also because it's a great show. You guys do a great job there. And uh, Jason, thanks for the time, man. Uh, and keep up the good work. Hey, thanks, bro. The compliments, much appreciated. You know I love your show, otherwise I wouldn't come on. I have better things to do with my day, but your show is definitely one that I will stop time for, my brother. Thank you. We'll definitely be in touch, and we'll be on each other's shows in the future, without a doubt, man. Today was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Take care, Jason. All right, you too, my friend. You be good now. Okay, everyone. Now for our final segment this week. We have teased this one for a while, and we're finally bringing it to you. Very special, new, fun segment. Uh, roll that theme song, Christine. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a game of Stump Your Spouse. So I am now being joined by my wife, Christine, for the first ever, as you heard it, Stump Your Spouse. Very excited for this. Like I said, been teasing it for a while. Christine, you want to explain how it works? Sure thing. So the number of questions may change, but basically we're going to just give each other trivia, you know, themed around the topic of the episode. We'll go with, you know, three to five questions or so, just seeing who can get the most right. Josh picks out questions for me. I pick out questions for him. Obviously, in an effort to stump them, but not to go so far out of their realm where they, you know, there's no chance, you know, no chance that I could get it or no chance that he could get it. We still want to make it possibly attainable. So, really, I'm just trying to stump my spouse. And Baffle to, my beloved. <laughs> and today is almost kind of a test for this segment, just to see how it goes and see if we need to make any alterations to it moving forward. But I think it'll be fun to listen to, and you may even learn something yourself. Yeah, definitely let us know what you think. You know, did we ask fair questions? Like, would your spouse have known this? Let us know what you think of the new segment. I know you're probably getting tired of the same old, you know, happily ever drafter and ranky-panky, so, you know. I may be here for filler, but boy, am I feeling. <laughs> okay, so with that said, Christine, I'm going to start us out and ask you a question. You'll then ask me one, and we'll each ask three questions, as we said. Alternate, yep. All of mine have to do with the Super Bowl, which there have been 55 of those big games. One was just recently played. Yep. Here we go. There are two NFL teams that are tied for the most Super Bowl wins ever with six apiece. <sighs> 
Now, both are from the AFC, and I've got a list on my phone of the 16 AFC teams. Now, like I said, two of these teams have won six Super Bowls, and that's tied for the most ever for any NFL franchise. I'm hoping I didn't make these too hard mm-hmm. for you, because uh, <laughs> there's some you should be able to probably rule out. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to try to go through this list and look at your face for a reaction. I, I didn't want to give you all 32 teams, <laughs> oh, so I wanted to, because they're both from the AFC. What a gentleman. So that, that cuts it in half for you right oh, there. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, I'm trying to think of who, which of these teams is the oldest because, I mean, the Panthers, for example, are only like 22 years old. 22, right? So they're 20, ch- they're 20 they'll be 22 uh, this year. They were in 99. 95. 95, just kidding. So they're in their like 20s as far as the age of the team. So some of these teams that have been around for like 40 years, 50 years, they have way more chances to be in the Super Bowl. So Both of these teams have been around for a long time. A while. Let's just remember which which for me. Okay, I'm pretty confident it's not the Tennessee Titans. Mm. And you said they have six. Yep. So... And two possible answers. I'm pretty sure, okay, I know it's not going to be Miami. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Jacksonville. Uh, I feel like Houston Texans is pretty young, so I'm going to rule them out. The Bills is pretty old, I think. The Browns, I think, are pretty old, but they don't have the greatest records. Obviously, just statistically, Tom Brady had just got his seventh ring. Six of those others would have come from a prior team. So one of those teams has got to be New England Patriots. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so you've got the question right. I just wanted you to name oh, one of those. Oh, actually. I forgot, yes! I, forgot to throw I wanted you to name one of them. Now, <laughs> well, just for kicks, can you can you oh, guess the other crap. one? Oh um, crap! You got it right. But I'm thinking about who who are notable players and quarterbacks from some of these. And teams. you're right in all the teams that you've ruled out so far. Okay, so okay, the I Houston would, Texans mm, are were I'm around stuck about between like maybe three of the others, and there's probably like. 20 more on this list that I've not even mentioned. I'm just going to like read out some that I might potentially think. And y'all forgive me for my ignorance here, but like I I got one right. So like, give me that. Okay. I feel like Pittsburgh's been around a long time. They always got, they got some really notable players from big names. I always know and remember. I already said New England. The Colts have been around a while, I believe. Denver has been around a while. And... Those are the three I'm stuck on. Denver, Indianapolis, and Pittsburgh. I'm probably wrong on all three because Josh isn't reacting. So, well, so, um. I'm trying not to give it away, for one thing. I mean, I know you've already got it right, so either way. Uh, uh um. No, all three of those teams Denver. have been to oh, the Super Den- Bowl. Oh, uh, in Denver. Did I say Denver? It is one of those three teams. Oh, so it's not Denver. Okay. It's one of those three teams I just that you just oh. said. I said Pittsburgh, I said Indianapolis, and Denver. I guess I'm going to go, I know, I'm probably wrong here. I'm going to say Denver. That's probably not it was right. It Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, okay, okay. They were my next next choice. But I just know they've been around forever. Like, yeah, that, that would have been my, my I can't remember exactly runner up many. to the second Denver's right Denver's won two or three, I think. They've been there several times. They've lost a few. I just was thinking about some of the players from there. Like, weren't some of the Mannings? Now, Peyton the Manning Man- won a Super Bowl. Actually, this is a piece of trivia. He, uh, I think, is the only quarterback to win a Super Bowl with two different teams, and that's the Colts and the Broncos. Not anymore. Tom Brady just did it. Yeah, that's true. Yep. That's true. Tom Brady just did that. So, yeah, 
Cool. I'm not completely ignorant after all. So, yeah, I don't know if I said that you needed to name just one when I asked the question, but that was all I was looking for. <laughs> well, I did it. Congrats yeah. me. Spouse not stumped. Here's your first question. What is Giselle Budgkin's home country? I don't know how to say her oh, last geez. name. What country is Tom Brady's supermodel millionaire wife? I've certainly heard this before. From oh, home country. Yeah. What country is she from? I mean, I, I can give you a little bit of a hint. How about I rule out a whole continent? <laughs> I'm not good with geography anyway. <laughs> well, there's like, what, six or seven continents? Yeah. There's seven, I, I believe. There's seven continents. It's not Europe, the European continent. So that ruled out a lot of Europeans. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I want you to name somewhere that's in Europe. Think about think about her yeah, first I know, name. I know like, exactly what she looks like. Yep. I can picture. Oh wow! Her. Okay. Well, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's won seven Super Bowls, babe. I've seen her a lot. I know. Um. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Think about her name. If if that's not yeah. the most European, like, Eastern Europe sounding name, what other areas of the world has Europe colonized historically? And where... My, I'm going a little deep into history, but, like... Because I thought of a, a country immediately, but I'm afraid it's going to be wrong because I just can't remember this, and I'm going to kick myself, probably. Mm. You can... You can... You can talk it through. I'm not going to give it to you. I'll probably say, I'll probably shake my head or like say no for every answer, but. I don't think this one's right. I don't think it's Spain. No, but. But um, For some reason I keep going back to Spain. No, it's not. I will will give you that. It's not Spain, but you're like kind of warm. Yeah, I figure it's somewhere in that general area. Okay, think about Spain and other countries that are near it. And then places that those countries have colonized. <laughs> and you're, you're on it. Is it a type of food that I really enjoy? <laughs> um, no. It's not your... I mean, it's not... She's not from a country in Europe. But the country she is from was colonized by a European European country. Just dive in, bro. Just make a guess. Hmm. Mm. Giselle. <laughs> Gosh. I'm afraid of embarrassing myself because you got the first one right. It's okay. And, man, I'm going to know it right after you say it, probably. I mean, obviously, I'm going to know it after you say it, but I'm going to be like, I mean, oh, I knew that. Do you know any of Tom Brady's kids' names? Like, think about, could their names be anything similar to, you know, tell you where maybe their or like I don't their remember his kids' names. Well, I just know they've I'm trying the, to help. I just know there was that meme <laughs> that his daughter's gotten to hold the Super Bowl trophy more than the Dallas Cowboys in the last so many, oh, ever many burn. years. Uh, <laughs> oh man like American royalty Yikes Portugal I'll repeat My clue It is not oh. from they, She's not from a country in I Europe. said I'm not good at geography Is that your final answer? No Okay Portugal is like one of the farthest European I mean it's like on the edge <laughs> It's like hanging off France is in Europe France is in Europe as well Yes <laughs> That's why I'm trying to rule these out And I'm like Wow. Mm. Sweden? Is that in Europe as well? <laughs> yes. That's in Europe as well. I, I, so Josh has guessed like four <laughs> countries out of the European Dagon Union. I mean, I've seen all Europe countries here. And you need to get out of Europe. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to formally announce that I believe I have stumped Josh. Yeah, all the places I can think of are in Europe. 
Would you like to know the answer? Uh, I wish I had the answer. It's not. It's not embarrassing. She got a. She got a very European name, and she's not from Europe, so it didn't really help. If her name was like Helga, you'd be like, you'd be like, yeah, Germany. She's from Germany, or like, like Hungary, or like you know Austria, like you know those okay. European, Eastern European. Giselle, her home country. You were you were a whole ocean away. Is Brazil? Oh God. Oh, it is Portugal. It. Portugal is the is is kind of peninsula. Spain surrounds three sides of Portugal. I do. And hope- Portugal is what is is the country that colonized Brazil. So that's why they speak Portuguese in Brazil and not Spanish. I do hope that through this, the listener learned uh, what countries are in Europe because <laughs> uh, I, I helped kind of <laughs> fill in a lot of them. Yeah, Brazil. Okay, Brazil. I've heard that. Yep. Yeah, so much. Josh has so yeah. much other useless sports <laughs> trivia in his head. He don't know where the quarterback for. Why don't we switch and I'll answer, <laughs> I'll answer the questions that uh, I have. And I'm, okay. False. <laughs> anyway. That's not happening. Okay, so on the number two, there are twelve NFL teams that have never won a Super Bowl. Oh, can you name six? Oh, crap. of the twelve teams. Let me think. In seven guesses. What? I'll give you one miss. Uh, one miss. Hey, I've got to make this hard, er. As we go along. Are you writing these rules? No, he didn't write these rules. He go. He has it written down. Well, I know the Panthers ain't one. Yep. I'm about to get my miss. Shoot. That's the one I know. Uh, Obviously, it's not one of the two teams. It's not. I know it's... Okay, can I list off things that I know are not? No. Yes, you can. I mean... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No. Hang they on. are not in Europe. I will say that. Oh, my gosh. Shut up. <laughs> All right, she is uh, writing. I'm, I'm you trying. may hear her writing and breaking a pen. I am. I'm breaking the lid in this pencil because I'm so, so it's excited it's, it's, it's to it's get it right. It's obviously neither of the two teams from, that were the answers for the other question. Yep. And I already told you a couple of the teams. I mean, you I should know it's know not who, Kansas City. I know, know it's not won. Tampa. Yeah, I know you know it's who not... won last year's and this year's. I know it's not New England. And you already said Carolina. That is one of them. I know it's not Seattle. I, I, like I'm trying to remember consciously who I have paid attention to who won, or like who I've actually like rooted for. Um, trying to remember who the Panthers played that year, but I know that they. Not, I gotta get six. Yeah, the Panthers Hang also on. played New England their first one, and then somebody else the second one. So you've already. I mean, off. the Browns. The Browns are right. They've never won a Super okay. Bowl, so that's two. How about me? Do I count? I ain't never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Team Christine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Baltimore has. Ooh, I don't know about the Bills. These are just half the teams you've got there on my phone. I know. That you're looking at. Jeez. I don't know about the Titans. Steelers we know have. I feel like the Jets have. New England has. I'm not sure about Miami, but then there was that Ace Ventura movie that makes me like. They lost, right? In that Ace Ventura movie. I'm looking at his face. I don't remember. <laughs> Laces out. I don't like remember I... that part. <laughs> that movie was on earlier today. <sighs> you have it written <laughs> down over there, don't you? Shoot. Uh, yeah, I have the answers written down. I know it's cheese. Ah, ooh, the, the Jaguars? Yes, that's oh my gosh. another one. Woo! Never okay. been to a Super Bowl, so. Bortles! <laughs> one of our favorite characters from... The Good Place. His name's Jason, and he's like a raging Jags fan, and he loves Blake Bortles, but like he's like still like a loves them even though they they suck. Um, okay, or at least they sucked in the show. 
Yeah, they <laughs> they sure were the worst team in the NFL this past season. But get the number I'm one. Halfway pick. there. Yep, you're halfway there. I need a. I and need. You a... still have one missed guess <gasps> there. Okay, I'm gonna. I need to look up. Like, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna try and look it up. I just want to look for a list because I think my ignorance is coming from the large number of teams. I'm trying to think of teams like. Yeah, like I'm, I said, there's 32 total teams in the NFL. I'm pretty sure at some point the Cowboys have won one because your dad's best bud always just still be riding on their glory from however long ago they last won. Yeah, there are a lot of Cowboys fans um, who uh, relive their past <laughs> glory days. Um, <laughs> since the Panthers came into the league, the Panthers and Cowboys have won the exact same number of Super Bowls. Oh, did you just give me one? You just gave me the answer. No, I didn't give you the answer. You I said, said that- since the Panthers came in, them and the Cowboys have won the same oh, number. Oh, so the Cowboys... I was basically taking a dig at the Cowboys. Have won in 20... I'm sorry for my ignorance, y'all. And uh, actually, the Panthers are undefeated against the Cowboys in the playoffs oh. all time. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go, Dallas. <laughs> um, this is just going to become a Cowboys roasting be session. It's Cowboys roasting. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's, it's so easy, though. It's easy target. I mean, you got, I already said the Browns. So we're halfway there with the Jags, the Browns, the I Panthers. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty certain. I mean, I know Seattle has one. I already talked about that. I know New Orleans has one. Or maybe I'm wrong because Josh is looking away real sharp. Um, I'm pretty sure the Vikings have won. They're an old team. That's not a football team. <laughs> um, yeah, you're getting into some. Uh, this is getting into like. Other league, that was the the old American something. I don't know what I am was, Confucian. Actually. Not really sure. Uh, the logo, it was one of my favorite logos, the Detroit Lions, if you listen to that early episode. I'm wondering, I just, I've only been alive for like 27, well, 20, yes, yeah, 7 Super Bowls. Maybe 26 Super Bowls. So, I'm just like, I I, start, I started caring maybe at like 15 of them. How do we feel about the Rams? <laughs> I guess some people like them. I mean, I feel like the Redskins may have pulled one out way back in the day because people... Yeah, now the Washington football team. Yeah, well... We're the Redskins yeah, up until yeah. this year, Sorry. Oh, my a, apologies. It's okay. I, 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 I was insensitive but, in my I mean, ignorance. That's a part of their history. It is, unfortunately. Have the Bills ever won? I mean, Buffalo is in New York, right? So New York also is sharing... The Jets. Yeah, the Jets, the Giants. Jets, the Giants. Are in New York. I guess, let's, let's just throw the Bills out there. That's another one. Ooh. The Bills now Ooh. have gone, the Bills went to four consecutive Super Bowls in the 90s and lost all of wow. them. Wow. Now, some of these teams have never even been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's what I need to find uh, out. The Jaguars are the only one on your list, I think. I think the Browns have been a Super Bowl, maybe. Well, I can't remember for sure. Okay, I know they've been okay. To a championship. Can I? Can I? I have a caveat here. This next team that I'm gonna suggest couldn't have gone. Technically, they couldn't have gone because they weren't. They weren't a specific team. We hang on. What I'm about to bring up the loss, specifically the Las Vegas Raiders. That doesn't count. But like, dang it, <laughs> the Las Vegas or Oakland Raiders are all together. Okay. Well, I was going to say, because I know the Las Vegas Raiders have not been. Obviously, just Washington itself has not been, but maybe the Redskins have. Um, You know, past. And I'm not giving an answer away here, but the L.A. Rams could have also went. I believe they were in St. Louis before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, any team, anywhere that they've been in the past also counts 
just you're looking at the mascot more than anything. I am. Okay, let's the Chargers. That's My, another one. Wait, really? Is that five? Yeah. So that's five. Oh of them. man! You still got your miss. Dagnabbit. Uh, I'm kind of helping you through these, but okay. Hey. Well, let's use Miami as my miss. Miami? Yeah, uh, they probably went. Yeah, Miami actually had one of the best seasons ever back Dang in the it. '70s. Uh, they were the only team to go undefeated through an entire season in '72. So Miami oh, has won a Super Bowl. Shoot. It's been a while, but they okay. So I'm thinking Tennessee's pretty new, right? Tennessee Titans is probably pretty new. Or, I already said the Jags. We're going to have to cut a lot of this audio out because I'm just dumb. What about Cincinnati? I feel like there's been so much red and orange at the Super Bowl the last few years. I get confused of seeing like, okay, I've not seen a Super Bowl with green. like, Or I've not seen a Super Bowl with blood, like a weird color. Which, which is wrong because Seattle has been, which they're like that crazy green. I already said the Bills. I feel like I'm missing some teams here. Philadelphia has been. I mean... I feel like there's some angry New Yorker that would be like, stupid idiot. Like, if I, if I call out one of these New York teams, like, or call the other New York team, um, I'm sure, pretty sure the Vikings. Let's say the Rams. Let's just. So you're going, the Rams have never won a Super Bowl. Oh, never won? Yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with it. Nope. You got five out of the six. Well, y'all, I guess I'm just the most stupid woman. It's not terrible. Not, five, no, it's not the easiest. Five out of six uh, out of the entire NFL rock like question. Roster. I mean, so other ones. Oh well, he he got me. On other that ones one. were the Minnesota Vikings, really? Cincinnati Bengals, Atlanta Falcons. Oh, who have been to some? Never won. This some of mine. Uh, see the Chargers. You said that. You said the Chargers, the Tennessee Titans, and the question was Arizona Cardinals, Detroit Lions. Uh, Houston Texans, and I think that's the other five. Yeah, Texans would have been. It. Yeah, the Texans I are like... the Texans and Jags are both new, uh, the newest team. Oh, the only reason I didn't say some of those because I was stuck in the NFC. No, oh, was those, I? some of those are AFC. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think you've got them all there. Man, ain't that ain't that some shit? <laughs> anyway, I got five out of six. You got five out of six, and, and out of the whole, and you you said Cincinnati, but I, I didn't take and that because you were still. The kinda... question was who have won a Super Bowl. So, I, yeah. a lot of these places I knew have, I knew have not won, but I wasn't sure if they actually have been. I think I was looking for more who has been, which obviously widens the number. Most of those teams have been, uh, yeah. just a few that have never been at all. Well. I guess I'm to my next question. Let's try to stump my spouse. All right, babe. Well, that one barely kept me alive that last minute. alive. Mm. To tie you. You ain't going to get this one. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> More geography. No, no, no. Because they went to the Super Bowl. A question about Tampa Bay. From 1976 to 1998, what were the Tampa Bay Bucks cheerleaders called? Mm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It'll be a pirate theme. <laughs> Correct. Oh goodness, there's a lot of dead space here. Because <laughs> yep, we'll be I, I have my eyes closed, trying to come up with this. Maybe praying to the heavens that an answer would just come to me. <laughs> that just pirate terminology would just fall in his mouth. <laughs> Ooh, mm. buccanistas. I don't know. Buccanista. I, no, I, I have no idea. Oh my god! So I used to be a pirate character at Lake Eager Hunts, and I would have loved. To have done like a glam up pirate character, a buccanista. That's that's creative. I'm 
That's creative. I'm just trying I will to throw something you. out there. I will get. So no, that is incorrect. The '76 through '98 Tampa Bay cheerleaders. They were called swashbucklers. <sighs> I was trying to. I feel like I maybe came up with like I thought of like swash something earlier, and I was kind of trying to like. Nah, that's probably not it. Kind of ran through my mind just briefly. Uh, so should have went with it. Okay. Well, you're still ahead going yep. into the final question, and I feel like this one is easier than the last one. I hope. So there have been 55 Super Bowls. Which position on the field has yielded the most Super Bowl MVP awards? So which position has got the most? I mean, obviously a contender for that award will be a quarterback, but I feel like that's just like the Sunday school obvious answer. Having either like wide receivers or like running backs and stuff, like those will be high on the list because really the goal is to outscore the opponent. You can't out defense the opponent, you can just prevent them from scoring. So, this is like a one answer, one and done. Yeah, I like that you're going through the process of elimination here of some of the positions that obviously put up the most stats in a football game. It's definitely not a kicker or punter, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I'm about to say (laughs) it's not going to be like tight end or like not some lineman. I'm stuck between either quarterback, didn't Tom Brady just get MVP, like, for Tampa? So, I'm probably going to miss it. I'm just going to go with quarterback. That's correct. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Okay, quarterback great. has won more than half of the MVPs. Uh, a lot of wide receivers have won it. There's been some running backs. Quarterback's just like the poster the poster boy for a yeah. football player anyway. Like, sure there have been some defensive players as well, but quarterback has won the majority, and Tom Brady's won five himself. Yeah which is only surpassed by Michael Jordan with six in any professional sport. All right, so I can't win. The geography (laughs) question got me and then not It wasn't geography. It was just simple facts. Not going with swashbucklers. uh, It kind of ran through my mind because I was like, swashbucklers is a pirate term, but that doesn't seem like it would be a cheerleaders. That doesn't seem like it'd be something to refer to cheerleaders. But So I can't win. I'm just trying not to get shut out. Well, this is kind just of... This a- the Cowboys have been shut out of Super... I'm, I'm going to stop. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's like sitting behind their computer the like... The Cowboys do have four or five Super Bowl championships. Somebody's sitting behind five. their computer like, well, I'll be damn, I ain't going to never listen to this podcast again because they talk about my Cowboys. Okay, let's... <laughs> All right. What's the final question final for me to miss Final question for you to miss is... This is kind of a two-parter. If you can get one of these parts right... You can have the, the, the score, the point. The first ever female NFL coach has a twin. What is her name or her position on the field? Position on the field? As in, what football position does she play? Play? <laughs> yeah. How do you think the first female coach got to be the first female coach? The first female NFL coach? Yeah. She has a twin, and her twin and her both played football. What position does her twin play, or what is her twin's name? And let me tell you, they are both females. Yeah. Girl power. You can have a male twin. Okay. Girl power! Yeah, okay. Um, Now, when thinking of what positions would be most likely, there are two that come to mind, and they're running back and wide receiver. Okay. And obviously, what positions would suit a female, too? I mean, a lot of leagues, there are all female leagues. I know there is Mm -hmm. a female kicker that was in college, this past season for Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. So, now she didn't play, obviously, professionally. There's never been a woman in a professional NFL game. Player, yeah, yeah. So she played at some point, like high school or, or something like this? 
No, like, she pretty well actively is still a, a player in, like, a women's league. Can you, What's the name of this coach I'm referring to? The name? Yeah, what's the name of the coach that whose sister is in question here? I don't know. I know there was a 49ers So, I'm going to give you, yeah, you're, you're correct. So, that coach's name is Katie mm-hmm. Sowers. So, this, we're talking about Katie Sowers' sister. This is not the lingerie league, right? Oh, no. And her a quote from her here in um, an interview says... Usually when I tell people I play football, they think I mean soccer. When I tell them it's not soccer, they think it's lingerie. Yeah. But obviously not. She plays real tackle football. Cool. Anyway. uh, So you need to guess the sister's name or her position on the field. Well, I named the two that are front runners in my mind. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong since she plays in an all-women's league, right? I believe so, yes. So she could play anywhere because you've got to have women... Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, I know her sister is not an incredibly huge woman. <laughs> you said they were twins. Mm-hmm. So I would think it would be an offensive position. Oh. I'll give you this too. This this twin sister has also won gold medal a gold gold medals on both Team USA's tackle and flag football team. She got a record. Like she for real. Wow. Don't think I realized. Girl power. Um, I. I'm just going to go with the first position that came to mind, and that's wide receiver. And you are correct. Oh, God. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first one that popped into my head, and I was like going back and forth, wide receiver or running back. Katie Sowers, twin sister's name is Liz Sowers, and she is a wide receiver. They started their careers at uh, the Women's Football Alliance on the West Michigan Mayhem team. They played on a team called the Kansas City Tribe. Liz still continues to play, or at least since 2018, I mean, two, two, three years ago, she was still playing wide receiver, you know, not really actually making much off of it, but like, you're a pro women's football player. I know more about her sister than I do her. I didn't realize. Right. I mean, she, so she comes from a football family. Yeah. Their dad was a basketball coach. You know, she ended her career here in 2021 katie sowers did she's she's not a coach anymore she comes from a a football a football playing family that's for dang sure but yeah congrats okay i got one i didn't get shut out so that's good he did not okay that's gonna do it for this week on four quarters with josh mckinney we hope you enjoyed the show special thanks again to jason fearman for joining me for the second time Go check out the 3rd and 3 podcast. They also come out on Wednesdays. They do live shows on Wednesday nights. Those three are great to listen to. Sure, I'll have probably all three of them on the show again at some point because they're all great at what they do. So listen to that and Jason's other podcasts and things involved with. does a great job. Thanks, Christine, for joining me again. Uh, happy we were able to do Stump Your Spouse for the first time here today. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. If you enjoyed this segment, what you thought about our questions. Do you want more Stump Your Spouse? Do you want new segments? Let us know, and we'll keep it hot and fresh like a Krispy Kreme sign for you. For sure. So, like Four Quarters with Josh McKinney on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at SuperJMac32. We'll have another entertaining show coming to you next Wednesday. That's going to do it, like I said, for Four Quarters with Josh McKinney. Thanks for tuning in and listen to us next week, folks. Four Quarters with with Josh Josh McKinney. McKinney.